Quick disclaimer, although what we say is evidence and literature-based, we don't know your personal details and situation. Therefore, make sure you're discussing these things with your doctor. Welcome to the CPR for Life podcast. I am Sagar Doshi, boarded and practicing lifestyle medicine physician and emergency medicine physician, joined by Zach Hermosis, boarded and practicing emergency physician and practicing lifestyle medicine physician. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us again. It's me and Zach again, talking about stress. And this time, we want to talk with you about how stress has an influence on relationships. Because believe it or not, relationships actually have a big effect on our health. And I'm going to take this moment to remind you guys that cprhealthclinic.com slash mindfulness will take you right to our mindfulness course, where you can choose from either a self-paced course or a workshop course. Check it out. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. That's probably not the component of stress in relationships that I looked at. What? <laughs> so I looked more at like how relationships affect health, like the stress of the relationship, not stress like how it affects your relationships. Mm, that's okay. That's all. Yeah. yeah. I was about to say, like, <laughs> it's just a little bit different from what we looked at. Sorry. Yeah, you went the other direction. Yes. Yeah. How interesting how we interpreted that. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> well, all right, going off of that, I guess Sagar and I didn't exactly communicate well with this, which, you know, this is how our relationship causes <laughs> stress in our lives, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of, so I, as you can tell, I was obviously the one doing the, the literature search for this, and I was kind of went with how stress and relationships kind of interplay uh, and relate back to health. In the future, we just discovered we'll do another podcast on how stress directly affects, or maybe indirectly, I guess, affects relationships with people who were studied. Uh, but let's do it from my standpoint for now, because I don't have any other data on the other one for now. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Um, so there was a study in 2011. I should say it was more of a review uh, in 2011 called Stress and Relationships, which I guess could be once again interpreted either way. Um, That's why you got to read the whole study, right? <laughs> well, uh, so social relationships and health, a flashpoint for health policy and from the Journal of Health and Social Behavior. And they looked at one of the most important relationships that any human being has, uh, which is your spouse. And uh, this was looking at uh, specifically married men and women uh, at a 2019 study that was conducted in 2017. Long story short, uh, they found that men who were married died much less than widows, uh, widowers, I guess, in this case. Uh, and, and this has been, we've known this for a while, that at least anecdotally, this has been taught to us for a while, that people who are married live longer. And I don't think anybody fully has been able to um, explain it quite yet. And this study is not seeking to do that. I think it's just corroborating that study. So the married men among uh, 100,000 years, uh, there was the death rate was 943 for married men compared to 2,239 for widowers. Uh, and then you've got the death rate at bat for bachelors was 1,735 per 100,000 and 1,773 for divorced men. What is that? So widowers were the percentages. What? Um, so you'd have, what is that? 1.7%, 1.7% for uh, bachelors and divorced men. Uh, 0.9% for married men and 2.2% for widowers. Hmm. Better so, to have 
Well, in this case, worst worst to have loved worst worst to have loved and yes, lost. Yes, it is worst to have loved never and lost. To, then never to have loved and lost, loved at all. But it was the same to have never loved at all, apparently, and then to have loved and no longer loved if you divorced <laughs> your if you divorced your spouse. Um, but by far and away, the best was to be married, uh, to love and continue to love, I suppose. And this doesn't take into account the quality of the relationship, which uh, some of the other studies will say that, you know, this. some of these relationship studies don't necessarily go into, is this a good or bad relationship? Is it a mm. good or bad marriage? Because, of course, that can bring stresses of its own oh, yeah. uh, and can affect people in a negative way if your marriage is terrible. Um, and so they looked at the same thing with women. Um, among per 100,000, married women had a death rate of 569. Um 1,482 for widows, so 0.57% compared to 1.48%. And then divorcees and uh, never married women were at 1,096 and uh, 1,166. So pretty much the same same levels. Women have lower death rates overall, which is consistent with epidemiological studies, pretty much consistently across time uh, that women tend to live longer. But nonetheless, pretty much the same percentages as far as the best thing is to be married, then to be either divorced or never married, and then to be a widow. Mm-hmm. Which you could see why that would be the, th- the case. I mean, to have lost a spouse, especially if you've been married a long time, I suppose, and you're at an age where, um, you know, you're starting to have more chronic health issues, that that's a, that's a significant stressor. And, and it, again, anecdotally, we see this all the time mm-hmm. where somebody passes and then shortly after that, their, their husband or wife passes as well. Mm-hmm. And this captures so many possible reasons, be it just... The loneliness reasons or also, hey, the person that died was also helping take care of the living person's health. Yeah. And even, you know, life events, I mean, that you can quantify stresses of life events just by how great of an impact that has in your life, whether it's moving or buying a house or having a new job or moving to a new city or a, a different stage in life. Those are all stressful things. And I can imagine that if you've been married for 35 years, the single, you know, that's a constant in your life is now taken away regardless of what that constant is, mm-hmm. has to be stressful. So yeah, there, there's there's a multitude of reasons why that would be a significant stressor for people. So they there was another study uh, in Psychosomatic Medicine uh, in 2001, in, which is an interesting journal name, by the way, Psychosomatic Medicine. Makes it sound like we're all kind of crazy. I uh, agree. <laughs> I mean, I guess they're not wrong, but bold, bold call. Uh, <laughs> and we will dedicate a journal to it. <laughs> Um, so they looked at people uh, with specifically people who have coronary artery disease, those who were considered to be socially isolated. Uh, and again, they have scales for all of these things, but people who were qualified as socially isolated had a subsequent cardiac death risk of 2.4 times higher than the people who are socially connected. So you're two and a half times more likely to die from coronary artery disease, assuming you have coronary artery disease, if you're socially isolated. Uh, now among those things, again, this is these are tough things to control for could because socially isolated people it bears being mentioned in this study had lower income uh higher quote hostility ratings and higher smoking rates Hmm. they try to control for all those things uh but nonetheless that's true but again i don't know if that really i don't know if it matters i guess whether or not those things are the cause of the increased coronary death uh or not because the bottom line is if they weren't socially well connected they still had increased risks for problematic behaviors, uh, whether it's a hostility rating, higher smoking rates. Income, you could argue, is independent of that and can lead to other adverse health effects, of course. Um, but still, they were more prone to 
die for whatever reason, whether that's the stress of, of a poor social connection or not. So the people who were viewed as being isolated reported less social support and were less pleased with the way they got along with uh, members of their network. But it should bear be mentioned that they didn't report less satisfaction with the amount of social contact that they received. Hmm. So the people who were socially isolated were perfectly comfortable being socially isolated. So it doesn't mean that, I shouldn't say they were perfectly comfortable. Maybe they maybe they preferred it that way or they had grown accustomed to it. Hmm. But it may mean that was being socially isolated a stressor for them? So could you attribute this just as, as we've talked about in other ways, was it just stress that caused them to have, you know, worse inflammatory markers and die due to coronary disease, or was it something else? Um, but nonetheless, they still died faster. So hard to tease apart the possible confounders. Very. I mean, in any study like this, when you're talking about, you know, what's basically a behavioral study, you're trying to decide, you know, what behavior is it that causes the problem? I don't know if there's a good way to tell. Mm -hmm. And then you're also relying on people answering these questions, say, how satisfied are you with your current social network? Right. So even if they answer, I'm very satisfied, they may not be. They may just be answering that way. Right. Or right. maybe the opposite. Yeah, who knows? I mean, I think that we sometimes view our social network as something that we've created. So you're probably more biased to say I'm happy with this because... I've created this. This is exactly the way that I wanted it, whether or not that's true. Yeah. Uh, I built this desk. Otherwise, it would be a failure. It's supposed to have one leg, and that's it. It's supposed <laughs> to fall over every time you stand it up. That's how I designed it. It was innovative. Yeah. I went, what's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so it's these are tough, but these, you know, the I think the point from this study that we can take away, though, is people who are socially isolated did die more, period. I mean, we do know that. Mm -hmm. um, again, causative versus correlative. Don't know, uh, but certainly the 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 association was there. And there's a bunch of articles, and again, I could go through all of these, but uh, they low quantity or quality of social ties. And again, I think both of those are important. That low quality social ties and your social network being poorly constructed can also lead to disease. But development or progression of cardiovascular disease, recurrent MIs, uh, MI being myocardial infarction, a heart attack. Uh, autonomic dysregulation. Um, so basically you're not regulating your, uh, your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system, as we've talked about multiple times, as far as your fight or flight, or, you know, how your blood pressure and, and heart rate are controlled based on what you're exposed to, or even a baseline, I suppose. Um, hypertension is worse with, with, uh, poor social ties and quality, um, cancer, delayed cancer recovery, slow wound healing, um, where we've, we've talked about that, that, you know, as it relates to the immune system, that immune system is, is poorly regulated in the setting of stress, and it also ties into social isolation. Yeah, and it may be that isolation is just something that has to run through these different factors to, to make its impact, you know? It's actually causing its right. impact through all of these different mechanisms. Right, I mean, that that's, that's a great, and the, the papers to their credit, you know, most of them in their discussion will even comment on that. You know, there's, there's multiple modalities, whether that's, you know, the catecholamine surge and the opioid research, uh, surgeons to the opioid surge that you get, uh, when you're stressed out acutely can lead to, you know, suppression of, of a lot of immune things and, and activation of a lot of, you know, your renin angiotensin aldosterone system and things like that. We can jack up your blood pressure, which in and of itself can lead to a ton of diseases. Um, your HPA axis that can lead to increased cortisol or again, just your better, better habits with good relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, if I, 
if you have a, a wife and children that you love or, you know, a, a husband and, and parents that you want to be around for, maybe you just take better care of yourself and you say, hey, like, I don't, I don't want my, you know, my family to, you know, to me to die and they have to deal with that. Or, you know, my kids, I want to make it to, you know, my grandchildren, I want to be around for them and be able to play with them. So I'm going to eat healthy and take care of myself. And, and that may just be a motivator. I, again, hard to tease out. Um, you can see if, if you're living a socially isolated life, you'd just be like, I don't care. Uh, I'm just going to eat whatever, do whatever I want, sit around, watch TV all day. I really have no motivation to stay healthy. Yeah. <clears throat> no motivation to go through physical therapy if you have surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even get the surgery in the first place. I mean, yeah. you know, who knows? You know, you get diagnosed with cancer and you're like, I'm not doing chemo. Like, what, what's the point? And you die sooner. Um yeah, or don't make it to doctor's appointments because nobody's around to push you to go there. I mean, how many how many times have we seen that in the ER? That the only reason that you know the the knucklehead husband came in is because the wife was like, "No, you need to go to the ER, you idiot. You're having chest pain," and it turns out they're having a heart attack, and they yeah. were just at home and died. Also, also the daughter or the son or the sibling. Right. Yeah. Sure. Sure. This happens. Whoever. Every shift. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Why'd you come every in the shift? Day? We see someone. They made me. <laughs> yeah, they made me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's always that stubborn one. There's that social network um, coming in. Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating to talk about the, the behavioral components that I think it's more of a bit of, bit of a, you know, a psychological or an anthropologic study than it does an actual medical study at that point. But nonetheless, it still has effects on health and population health. So it's interesting to talk about. There was another study that was performed between Taiwan and the United States, which were chosen intentionally by the, by the people conducting the study because the life expectancy is pretty similar, uh, but the cultures are very different between the two countries. And I'll just interject that that fact alone surprises me because I would have expected Taiwan to be at least living five years longer than us. Yeah. It's like a year and a half uh, per year. They live, they live longer than us. Um, they probably have much better health habits than we do here, I would imagine. But that's not a good question. We could go into that, the epidemiological reasons why Taiwanese people live longer than Americans. Uh, so the uh, what they did was they looked at inflammatory markers and uh, they looked at a host of them. Um, interleukin-6, uh, CRP, fibrinogen, uh, intercellular adhesion molecule, E-selectin. Uh, they looked at an interleukin-6 receptor. And they based all this on marital status, contact with family and friends. Church attendance was one of the things that they used to judge social support and integration with society. Um, and they also looked at perceived social support um, based on a, a questionnaire. Uh, so what they found is that social integration had a significant but weak inverse association with CRP in Taiwan only. So they basically found that as you were more socially integrated, CRP went down, which is a common one that we use here for inflammation uh, measuring in the United States. Even uh, it's it's up typically in states of infection or there's a high sensitivity CRP that's up in people who are chronically stressed or people who have coronary disease uh, that we can see elevated. Um, again, more nuanced than that, but it's a general idea. So they found as they were more integrated, this this number went down a little bit, but not much, not as much as they expected. And they even wrote in their article that they were kind of surprised by the lack of association between the inflammatory markers and the social connectivity. Hmm. Go on. No, that's it. I just needed to say, hmm. Oh, hmm. Okay. Uh, so they did see that there was an association between social relationships and lower inflammation. Uh, was It was stronger. So that connection was stronger for actual social interaction 
as opposed to perceived support. And that surprised me. I thought the perceived support would be better, uh, a better marker of who's going to have inflammation and who's not, because I kind of figured people who thought that they were integrated well, even if they weren't actually integrated well, would feel better about it and be less stressed. Uh, but I was wrong. And I, I'll mention this is coming from the same person that an earlier podcast says he, he doesn't know he's stressed until his wife Nina tells him he is. <laughs> That's true. I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, but these other people taking this survey by themselves, they must be more perceptive. I, I just assumed that I was remarkably bad at that. I was giving everybody else some more, <laughs> probably some undue credit, apparently. <laughs> nobody deserves the benefit of the doubt. I, I guess not. Every, everybody's, does, nobody knows themselves. Apparently. Not in these studies, anyway. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I, I guess looking at that now, though, that makes sense. Um, because... The, I guess what we just talked about, the actual support system is probably more beneficial to someone's health than their perceived support. If you have somebody around you to say, hey, listen, like you're not you're not doing things right right now. You're, you're picking up smoking more. You're, you're not eating right. You're, you're drinking too much, whatever. You're not exercising. You seem stressed. If you actually have that support around, it's probably a lot more helpful than just thinking that you're doing just fine. Mm-hmm. Or here, let me drive you to your doctor. Right, right. Yeah, interesting study that I guess the biomarkers were not as important as people would have thought. And and again, it goes to show that there's something immeasurable possibly that support provides to people that we can't just quantify it based on blood tests. Mm-hmm. And it may be those practical factors, or maybe something else, or maybe just we're not testing the right things in the blood. Yeah, I mean, it very well could be that when, you know, it, either that or there's no blood test. Um, but yeah, it might just be that we don't know what to look at yet, which is fine. Yeah. That's why studies happen. But there have been, I mean, there definitely are changes that happen in the blood, whether or not they have any effect on coronary disease and others with ailments, who knows, but stuff like oxytocin definitely changes based off right. interaction. Right. Yeah. But that, does that really have an effect directly under the disease process we care about? Not that I know of. Maybe, or maybe it just happens separately. Same cause, different effects. Yeah, who knows? Uh, you know, you're looking at hormones and and molecules that have so many different effects that then have different effects that then have suppressive and you know uh, augmentative effects for other parts of the systems that we can't even look at. I mean, it's it, the ripple effect is very difficult to quantify. Yeah, it truly is the butterfly effect, right? Yeah, change any one thing and yeah but uh yeah that's all i have for relationships i guess we're gonna have to get more into how stress uh negatively affects relationships or positively who knows we haven't looked at the literature yet uh <laughs> <laughs> but anecdotally speaking i have assumptions yeah right i do have assumptions I, who knows maybe i'm crazy but we'll look um but we'll talk about that in later podcasts all right well thanks for joining us today everyone hopefully we'll see you next time we get together and in the meantime, check out CPRHealthClinic.com and CPRHealthClinic.com slash mindfulness and take a look at our stress-reducing course. There's a self-paced version and a workshop version. In the meantime, remember, the way you live can save your life. <laughs>